Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. Okay, and thank you very much, Rachel. We appreciate, as always, your kind opening words to get us started in our common life together here on In All Things. And the word is passing around. People are spreading by word of mouth uh, that this is a podcast, not just for the EPC, but is available to anybody who wants to be encouraged by the work of God through our humble little fellowship called the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And we've started originally, as many of you know, with just introducing people in our congregation to the staff of the Office of the General Assembly and what they do. We've expanded to include authors uh, of the EPC. We have quite a few uh, pastors in the denomination who have written books that can be platformed and encouraged here. But we also share from time to time different leaders in the EPC who have risen up to serve in a capacity to serve the local church. Today is one of those days when I have an old friend of mine, and by old, I don't mean he's that old, although looking at him, he is getting older by the, by the minute, I think, here. But uh, we go back a long time, and we'll share that in just a second. And we're grateful to have Alan Trafford with us today, who is uh, a teaching elder, as we call it, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Lake Jackson, Texas. He's the outgoing moderator of the Presbytery of the Gulf South, and he is currently the chair of the Permanent Committee of the General Assembly for Fraternal Relations. And that's going to be the subject today of our conversation is fraternal relations. And many of you may say, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, hopefully, Alan will help us understand a little bit about what fraternal relations are and why that is part of our strategic priorities as a denomination and how that how that operates. One of the places in which you will experience some of those fraternal relationships is if you come to our General Assembly that's coming up the third week of June in Ward EBC Church in Northville, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. A number of our global partners will be there to celebrate with us what God is doing among us, um, including an old friend of mine by the name of Marcelo Robles, who's one of the leaders of the St. Andrew's Presbytery in Argentina. He will be preaching. He's an amazing preacher, and uh, you'll be truly blessed and encouraged by that. My dear friend, the Reverend Dr. Samuel Cisse from the EPC Church in Sierra Leone will be there, and there will be others uh, as well. So there will be opportunity to get to know other people from around the world as well as around the country if you come to our General Assembly this coming summer at Ward EPC Church. Our theme is Recharge, based on Acts 1-8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. And the focus of that time, whether it's in Argentina or Sierra Leone or here in the United States, is going to be on the Great Commission and how it is that we can join God in his Missio Dei in doing evangelism. How can our churches have evangelistic cultures? How can our members be people who practice and live out evangelism in their everyday lives? That's going to be the center point of what we gather together for our General Assembly this summer. But 
the good news is we don't do that alone. We do that with people all over the world. In fact, one of the opening statements in our vision statement, the EPC, is that we're part of a global movement. Typically, when we think of global movement, we think of world outreach, which of course, with our 150 partners around the world, we are engaged in gospel ministry and whole cycle church planning all over the planet, especially in the hard places. But we also have something called fraternal relations, where we are in a relationship with other like-minded, like-believing denominations that uh, we can join in doing gospel ministry. And that's our conversation for today. Alan Trafford, as I mentioned, is the chair of our Fraternal Relations Committee of um, our denomination, and we just finished having an in-person meeting. Haven't had one of those in a while due to COVID, and yet we got together in person, and we kind of jump-started that work again, which could be very important for us in terms of achieving one of our strategic priorities, which is being a part of God's global movement. So, Alan, first of all, welcome to the Global Command Center headquarters. I think maybe your first time in the GA offices. Is that right? That, that is the case. Uh, I think the global offices here is, is like a closet. That's what it feels like. <laughs> but yeah, it's singularly unimpressive. But glad to be here. We're yeah. glad to have you here. It's it's a more impressive place having you here. To be oh, sure. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, give us a little background, Alan. You um, have a. a a more precise way of pronouncing things. You come from a different part of the world, and yet you have been at Lake Jackson now for 24 years, mm. and you have served in other capacities in the States before that. So give us a little bit of a background, married children, grandchildren, dogs, the whole backyard, so that we can get a, a sense of who we're talking to today. Yeah, I keep saying 24, because my church may recognize that 25 is coming up on the near horizon. And, you know, that might be a good thing for them to do. Uh, that would be a lovely thing. So yeah. Lake Jackson people, uh, Covenant Church people, pay attention. Your yeah. pastor is coming up on 25, and he has expectations. So mm-hmm. please pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. 39 years in the ministry this year. Uh, started out in the United Reformed Church in England. Uh, my first church was in the northeast of England, a place called Newcastle that you may have heard of. Beautiful city. I was there for 10 years by a variety of uh, just small happenstance things. Came across to the United States, did an exchange in Michigan in East Grand Rapids one year, and then a couple of years later ended up coming across to Pittsburgh um, in uh, Tarentum, up the Allegheny Valley. Served there for five years, and then since then have been in uh, wonderful Lake Jackson in Texas, which is almost on the Gulf Coast, south of Houston, about 40 miles south of Houston, uh, next to one of the largest petrochemical plants in North America. <laughs> so, yeah, right. absolutely. And married children, grandchildren, what's the yeah, background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Leslie and I have been married for, let's see if I can get this right now, 42 years this wow. this year. And so you got married when you were about 15? No, I, was, I think I was four years old when I okay. got married. I was ordained when I was 12, I think. Okay. That's the way it feels. Known each other since we were teenagers. Love of my life. My wife is a florist. She's a wedding florist. Has her own business in Lake Jackson. So yeah, I'm her unpaid assistant most of the time, carrying nice. things. We have two boys, both grown now. Daniel is an architect, mostly a sports architect. Uh, he worked for a long time for a company called HKS in Dallas and was uh, very influential in uh, building a couple of sporting facilities that have, have uh, generated a lot of interest. The latest one was in L.A., the uh, whatever that one's called, the... Uh, SoFi Dome. Oh, wow. Yeah, he had his hand in that. And then also Minneapolis Vikings okay. uh, in their stadium also, Viking Stadium. 
I'm trying to dredge the names up here, you know, That's come right. on. You know, I could That's tell right. you the names of most soccer stadiums in England, but when it comes to other things, I'm not quite so on the ball. Premier League, your team is? Not in the Premier League. Uh, won the Premier League in, in 1995, that would be Blackburn Rovers, but since then, not won anything whatsoever. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, we have, uh, Nathan is married, that's our second son, he lives in Austin, he's a graphic designer and uh, also owns a watch company, would you believe, Trafford Watch Company. And he and his lovely wife, Christina, have one little girl who's now four years old, as she tells me with great gusto, and that's Penny. We have one, one granddaughter. And what does Penny call you? What's her name for you? She calls me Papa. Papa. Half the family is Italian, so I think that's where that came from. But nobody told her. She just suddenly came out with it. So, you know, right. little right. one calls you that, that's what you're called. That's exactly right. Well, you're talking to a bop-op right here. Oh, so, you you know. so, Alan, you've been in ministry for a long time. You and I met, for those of you who are listening in, we met... In 2001, we best think, um, we were both in a different denomination at the time and both trying to figure out what it looked like to be biblically faithful mm-hmm. in that space where that was increasingly challenging, to say the least. And we both were in part of an initial conversation with a group of people called the New Wineskins. And ultimately, that pathway led us into the EPC. And here you and I are sitting across the table from each other all these years later talking about EPC and fraternal relations. Now, for the person who's sitting in, who has never even conceived of this before, could you give us a primer on what is fraternal relations? I could probably give you a primer, but, you know, that's a okay. closely related Potato, thing. potato thing. Yeah, okay. same kind of thing. Let's call the whole thing off. Uh, fraternal relations is really between denominations who are of the same uh, family theologically, um, developed nationally in different parts of the world and that have many things in common. And if we have things in common and the world is smaller than it used to be, it just seems to be appropriate that we should be in a relationship with one another, especially if we share the same values, the same hopes, the same dreams for our futures. There are ways in which we can help one another, maybe in terms of theological education or visitation or whatever it happens to be. There are ways that we can learn from one another and support one another. And really that's what we hope to do through fraternal relations. So give us a couple of examples of some of our more historic fraternal relations, ones that we've had for some time now? Sure. There was a a group of churches in Argentina that I I think basically were abandoned by the Church of Scotland. And many years ago now, they came to the EPC and became a presbytery of the EPC at one point. The interesting thing was, this is nothing to do with your question, by the way, but I was at General Assembly a few years ago, and they had a representative come and his name was Mackenzie. Yeah. Didn't look a bit like a Mackenzie. He was an Argentinian. I know. Guillermo de Kenzie. There Mackenzie. you go. Yeah. Wonderful young guy. And it just so happened that I had a Mackenzie tie on at the time because I'd, I bought one in a sale in, you know, wherever it was I'd been. So I gave it to him. And this guy was like, wow, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> and th- that's a, a historic connection yeah. that really works very well, that we come from the same root, you know, the same root cause and... Um, we have so many things in common that it's, it's helpful for us. At, at that point in history, we were able to give them a safe place to develop as a Presbyterian church in Argentina, and they grew out of that relationship and are now self-supporting. So I think we did a great thing for Presbyterianism in Argentina at that point, and now we are partners. We're, we're not the mother church, we're a sister church. Historically, we have those connections, and maybe we need to develop them and see what, what, what's next in the world. 
in one of the uh, in my introduction, I mentioned one of the leaders in the um, mm-hmm. St. Andrews Presbytery in Buenos Aires is Marcelo Robles, who's going to be preaching at our General Assembly. So sometimes yeah. fraternal partners exchange those kind of privileges as well, where we come and speak at their assemblies and they come and speak at ours. In this case, Marcelo is going to be preaching for us at GA, and he's a spectacular thinker and preacher a graduate of Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, knows the EPC well, and a long history with uh, Second Presbyterian Church in Memphis, which has been very connected to the St. Andrews Presbytery as well. Now, not every connection that we make with overseas denominations or overseas agencies is at that level. Right. Uh, so there are plenty of other places where we, the connection might be through a third agency, such as the World Reformed Fellowship. But there are, I think, several interesting cases where we do have a very close relationship, such as Presbyterian Church of Brazil. There's an interesting one coming up that we've been looking at for a couple of years that COVID really put the kibosh on, if you'll pardon the expression, and that's the Presbyterian Church of Ireland. Uh, We have some connections. We have, I think, at least one Irish Presbyterian serving in the EPC, and we have a number of people who've visited Ireland, including myself, and visited congregations of the PCI and it did seem to us several years ago that, well, that we had an awful lot in common. And it might be helpful to look at that relationship and see if it ought to be formalized in some way. And so the methodology that we use is to identify whether that is an appropriate thing to do, to develop that relationship, and then eventually to implement it. So that, for example, we might, I don't know, we might do some kind of youth work together. We might exchange youth. Uh, we might have... Um, people from the other denomination coming and preaching and they would have the privilege of pulpit over here. We trust them, in other words, because their theological basis is the same as ours. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't finalised that yet. We're still talking to the Irish because, as I say, COVID mucked the whole thing up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think that would be a really interesting development for us to make. Frequently, you have pastors who are looking to take a sabbatical. Sure. And sometimes a, a pulpit exchange where the pastor from the United States goes to Ireland and the Irish pastor comes here. It's a nice change of pace for both and refreshing to the congregations as well. So that's another example of how that partnership could work out. Well, really, that's how we came over here, to be honest. You know, following an exchange, I didn't really understand that we were going to be moving over here. It didn't occur to me at the time. I thought we were moving to Scotland, (laughs) got on the wrong plane, um, (laughs) and then ended up in in Pittsburgh. But uh, yeah, those, those relationships... If, if you don't have a common theological basis, very, they can prove to be extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. But if you do have a common theological basis, they can be enriching for congregations to a very large degree. Well, a practical example of that would be, you mentioned one of our longest standing relationships is with the Presbyterian Church of Brazil. And right now we're actually planting with them together a church in Philadelphia, a Brazilian EPC church in Philadelphia. And we're the Presbytery of the East and our Presbytery is taking the, the front end of that because it's obviously in their backyard. But the Presbyterian Church of Brazil is, is helping with that, that kind of collaborative effort at church planting because increasingly you're going to see pockets of people from Cameroon or people from Brazil or people from Ghana or people from other places in the United States. And if we have a desire to plant churches among those ethnic communities, We'll need not only the help of our own world outreach, but probably from fraternal partners from those countries as well. Okay. Yeah, we've been trying to do the same thing in Louisiana, in the Gulf Coast Presbytery, but been having trouble with visas. Yeah. And, and this is one of those occasions where the structure of the church, fraternal relations and the office of the General Assembly, perhaps could be helpful. 
you know, waving a piece of paper that says, hey, this is official. Right. Give this person a visa. Let them come for a few years and work with us. So uh, a little bit of a change of direction in some respects in terms of the way fraternal relations is approaching things now, um, actually approaching things now in a way that I think is actually built into our acts of the assembly and our book of order and what was originally intended. Uh, but for a number of years, because of all of the churches that were coming in from all over the country, some of our fraternal relations were kind of put on pause uh, so that we could attend to the matters that were right before us at that point in time. Now that that's, that's kind of lessened a little bit, it gives us a little bandwidth to be able to reconsider how to identify and, and develop and implement relationships with denominations from around the world. If we're going to be not just reacting to, to churches that come in, but we're going to be proactive, I think you've already begun to speak to some of this. What are the kind of things that we would hope to see come out of that kind of proactive relationship? In other words, we would hope to be in a fraternal relationship with a denomination that does what, that helps us do what? What, what, what would be the end game here for us? Well, I suppose first that there are some historic connections that it would be good to maintain. A lot of the denominations in other parts of the world have severed relationships over the years, and some of those denominations have been left hanging. And it would be helpful, I think, for us to reconnect, maybe not on the same level that we would be doing with perhaps the Presbyterian Church of Ireland, but it would be good to have some, some links there. For example, there, there's been a civil war been going on in Cameroon in recent years. And there are a large number of Presbyterians in Cameroon. Wouldn't it be great if we could express somehow or other our concern for them and maybe some practical help in some way? But you have to be in a relationship in order to do that. Right. You're not going to send money unless you know that it's going to be properly used when it, when it gets there. You're not going to send theological educators unless you're sure that the environment in which they're going to be teaching is one which holds the same values and the same theological basis. So that's one way. But there are others, and it's almost the opposite Large groups of people have come to the United States over the years. Well, let me just use Cameroon as an example. My own church has had a, a significant number of people from Cameroon over the years. And I imagine that that's true for many, many parts of the country as well. So it would be helpful when those people are coming to the United States for their denomination over there to be able to say, hey, we have some friends over there and you can trust them. And they're the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. So uh, you know, maybe that would be just one simple way of developing relationships, perhaps through a third agency. You know, it doesn't need to be terribly complicated. But since so many of these denominations are starting churches in various cities across the United States, how wonderful it would be if we were able to connect appropriately with those groups. So this gets very practical because, you know, when you think of fraternal relations, it sounds like it's out there, you know, over there, and it's them, not us. But if you start thinking about the people that God is bringing into your backyard, it really becomes a question of biblical hospitality and almost like Pentecost again. How do we, how do we respond to the people that God has brought into our backyard as this move of the Spirit brings in your community, Cameroons? I know in the Bay Area of California, they're having this flood of, of Afghan refugees that are coming in. You know, just it, it provides a context for biblical hospitality, uh, for the gospel, and think of how much richer our congregations will be if they are supportive, receptive of, and encouraging to these different groups that are coming into their own community. Uh, their congregations will be all the richer for it. 
there's a really good example, which is an unfortunate one at the moment. Unfortunate, not being right, the right word, I don't think. But with everything that's been happening in Ukraine, the cry came up from many people in my congregation and probably in everybody else's. How can we help? And, uh, well, yeah, we do have mission workers in the area. Uh, most of them are working with refugees. There are some inside Ukraine, but most of them are now outside Ukraine. Usually when we give disaster assistance within the EPC, we do so by bypassing middlemen and going straight to the point where our help will be most useful. And that's what we've been doing. So the international disaster relief money has been going to those who are on the, on the coalface, if you wish. Yeah. Now, I think this is one of those things that illustrates the relationship between fraternal relations and world outreach. And, and I see that as a, an area which could really develop dramatically over the coming years, synergistically, if you like, where we, we really ask one another, well, how can we help you? Well, and world outreach is reposturing itself to say that to the local congregation too. In, in the past, I think people have thought, well, maybe you know, the local congregation can give resources to world outreach and support missionaries and so forth, and that's still true, obviously. But it can also be that world outreach says to the local church, how can we serve you? And you have a local church that says, well, we've got this group of refugees coming into our community. We don't, we don't know how to serve them well. World Outreach may have somebody, or World Outreach may be able to point us to a fraternal relation that we can help learn how to care for those people that are in our backyard. So a lot of those silos breaking down, we haven't previously thought about fraternal relations and World Outreach kind of under the same umbrella, but they both fit this idea of being a part of God's global movement. They do. So any other words of encouragement to those who might be listening in today, Alan, in terms of how they might respond to the Spirit's leading in a time such as this? Fraternal relations can sound so formal and so distant, and yet you've brought it home to us for our own backyard. Any encouragement to the pastor or elder who's listening on how the Spirit of God might be moving them to join in what he's doing? Well, I'd like to hear from them for a start, because it may be that that connection with another denominational group or another mission agency comes through a local church. And we don't know that. Honestly, we don't know that at all. If you look historically at the different connections that we have through fraternal relations, most of them have just kind of happened. Um, it, it used to be the case that only those who came directly to General Assembly were up for consideration even. But increasingly, I think because of the way that the world is changing, it's important for us to be able to ask the question, what's happening in your backyard? How can we help? So that would be a great encouragement to us. And I think you need to be encouraged across the denomination by the, the sheer amount of great work that is being done in your name. Uh, it is wonderful that we, we were able, you know, just the same example again, to be able to talk to people in Kazakhstan who are worried about what's happening in Russia and to pray with them and to give them our support and to know that they are sisters and brothers in Christ. And they were, I mean, the church in Kazakhstan is a great example. One of our own uh, missions pastor now at Second Pres in Memphis, Dan Burns, uh, spent years cultivating relationships in Kazakhstan. And now that church has grown. It's looking at planting more churches even outside of Kazakhstan. But there they are, right on the edge of everything that's taking place with tremendous need for us to be in solidarity with them in, in prayer. The world gets real small real fast once you start praying with your brothers and sisters around the planet. And that's a good word of encouragement for us. So if you are a congregation that is in any way connected to a church, a denomination, and another part of the world that you think would be good for the EPC to consider, 
please let us know here in the Office of the General Assembly or let Alan know, it's the chair of our Fraternal Relations Committee, and we'll start working through a process of seeing whether or not that might be a, a relationship that would be profitable for both entities in terms of carrying out the mission of God. The other thing that I would encourage is for local churches and even individuals within churches to look at the World Reformed Fellowship. This is increasingly the agency that the denomination is using because we trust them and, we have, again, we have the same theological basis. And to go to a, a group like that and to find out what's happening in different parts of the world and then help us appropriately it is a great benefit. The, the next assembly of the World Reform Fellowship is coming up, I think, in Orlando, isn't it, Dick? It is. It's coming up in Orlando in October. It'll be the 27th through the 30th, 31st of October at First Presbyterian Church, downtown Orlando. First time in the States for 20 years. That's right. And we're a, EPC is a historic member of the WRF. And the great thing about WRF is you can be a denominational member, which we are. You can be a congregation member, which my, the church I served in Pittsburgh is. Uh, or you can be an individual member. If you're even part of a congregation that, that isn't doing that, you can join individually and be updated and all that information. And so I think showing up at that World Reform Fellowship General Assembly in October to see what God is doing through like-minded evangelical reform bodies across the globe will be a huge encouragement, and it's right in our own backyard. Yeah, or even just uh, Google them and find out some of the things that they're up to, get, get a hold of some of their materials. Great organization. I commend them to you. So that'll probably be the subject of a future podcast. We'll probably have uh, maybe one day Case Thorpe, who's uh, one of the pastors at uh, First Orlando, who's kind of the point person for the WRF General Assembly. We'll maybe have him on in a near future podcast to talk about that in more detail. So, well, Alan, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Thanks for coming in from Texas to uh, be part of the Fraternal Relations Committee and lead us in that so well. And we'll look forward to seeing you again at General Assembly this summer. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. All right, my friends, I'm going to close this time out with that reminder from God's word that we always do. And I hope it's an encouragement and a blessing to you because whenever God's word goes forth, it always accomplishes the purposes for which it has been established. From Colossians 1, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things, my friends, hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. Until the next time we are together on In All Things, my name is Dean Weaver, the stated clerk of the EPC. Grace and peace be to you. Thank you again for joining us on behalf of dean and the entire team we hope you will join us for our next episode of in all things for more information about the evangelical presbyterian church including a directory of local churches online resources and much more visit our website at www.epc.org i'm rachel joseph i pray you have an overwhelming sense of god's presence in all things today